You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Uh, whenever I was uh, 18 years old, um, I've been 18 for one whole month. A lot happened in my 18th year, by the way. Um, I went to college. Uh, I proposed to my, my now wife. Um, when I was 18 years old, that's a bold move, by the way, at 18 years old. Um, yeah, so I did that. Uh, but one of the most notable things that happened when I was 18 years old was in May of my senior year, um, I surrendered to the ministry. Uh, and this was like a it was, a, it was a defining moment for me. I'd wrestled with what I was going to do with my life. I knew where I was going to go to school. Um, and I had been wrestling with God for the better part of you know, two and a half years, as long as I'd been a Christian. Um, I had kind of felt this call, uh, and I'd kind of fought against it for two and a half years. And, and on Senior Recognition Sunday, so like middle of May, uh, my senior year, I surrendered to the ministry. I said, you know what, God, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, you're calling me there. I'm going to go, and I'm going to do that. And, and there's a lot made of people surrendering to the ministry. Um, there, it's, it's a big decision, right, to, to orient your life to say, I'm going to give all of my heart, all of my like professional ambitions, all of my business, uh, you know, uh, acumen, everything that I am, I'm going to give to the ministry um, that God calls me to. At the time, I didn't know what that would be. I didn't know that it would lead me um, to Rockdale, Texas, to be the pastor at First Baptist Rockdale. I had no roadmap in front of me of what that would look like, but I knew that it meant uh, surrendering my hopes and dreams for for something different and something greater, and we elevate, the church elevates people with a call to ministry. Uh, we hold these people up, and we, and, we, and we make examples of them, right? We, we, we give them titles, pastor, um, and, we, and we hold them up. Um, but I want to let you know, if, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you have a specific call to ministry on your life as well. It may not be the same, right? Not everyone is called to be a pastor at a church. Not everyone is called to be um, the worship leader or, or, or youth leader or, or whatever. Not everyone is called to a specific um, role or a deacon. Um, not everyone is called to a specific role that gets some sort of recognition. But you have a specific role that God has called you to serve in His kingdom. God did not bring you into His family um, to not serve Him. And sometimes we think that when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, what we're coming into is a one-way relationship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender, whatever that means, my life to you. I'm going to trust you for my, my eternal salvation. And I'm going to give you back whatever I feel like giving you whenever it's convenient for me to give it to you. And, that, and that's sort of what we, we made this Christian life. We divided it between the, 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 secu- or between the professionals and the lay people, right? The ministerial class uh, and the lay, lay person. And we've made this division so real. I was talking to someone on the phone, a pastor from East Texas uh, this week, and he was talking to me and questions about uh, church as a whole and how are we doing uh, reaching the next generation, continuing the faith um, beyond youth ministry into young adults. How do we make that transition, which is a very hard transition. To take an 18-year-old who's been in youth ministry for seven years, and then they're a 19-year-old living independently in Rockdale, Texas, and bringing them into church. And so I went through some of my ideas and thoughts that I had about that. But I said, you know, somewhere along the way, before I entered into youth ministry as a 12-year-old, somewhere before that, we had a shift in the culture of the church that made it where, where parents saw professionals as the people who should be ministering to their kids. 
And so parents surrendered the spiritual responsibility of discipling their children to the church. And they said, we, we are going to give you our children for seven years from sixth grade to twelfth grade, and we're going to give them to you. And you, professional youth pastor in professional church, you're going to disciple them into becoming Christ-like people. And I want to tell you something, that has failed. That model of ministry doesn't work. You want to know how I know that model of ministry doesn't work? Because several years ago, and I value youth ministry. I was a youth pastor for many years. I still value youth ministry. I think it plays a vital role in the life of the church. But several years ago, when we were going through some youth ministry stuff at this church, I said, I said you know, we had 100 kids coming to Wednesday night on youth. And I said, of those 100 kids, when they graduate, how many of those kids are tied in to our church? Or even a church when they graduate? And outside of our families, families who come to our church on Sunday mornings who are a part of our church life beyond Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m., the number was zero. We could not think of one student whose family was not engaged with the church, who stayed connected to the church when they finished. And the reason for that is we, we didn't connect them to the church. We connected them to something else that's church-like. And somewhere along the way, we've told parents to abdicate their ministry responsibility and to trust it to professionals. And I'm here to tell you today that you are the professional minister in your family. You have a responsibility. If you have children here today, this is a message for you specifically. You have a responsibility to disciple your children to become Christ followers. That is, it is my responsibility as your pastor to help you in that process, but you are responsible for those souls that God has entrusted to you. That's your job. If you're a grandparent here today and you're looking downstream from you and you're like, ooh, we got some messes down there, I want you to know you have a responsibility there as well to continue to disciple your children so they'll disciple your grandchildren into becoming Christ followers. Right? You have a responsibility there because you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have work to do. And so don't look at professionals and think I'm going to outsource this. I want you to take that back and to own that you have a responsibility there. Today we're in the book of John chapter 9. And Jesus is going to do a miracle uh, in the midst of John chapter 9, but we're going to focus on, on what Jesus teaches about this miracle as he goes. Read with me John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Jesus uh, is, is going about doing his business. He's just talked about uh, light and darkness and all these things like that. And he says, as he passed by, verse 1 of chapter 9, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was to be born blind? And Jesus answered, and look, it was not this man uh, that this man sinned, or even that his parents sinned, but, so that the works, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it's day, for night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed, and the man came back seeing. Okay, so, so it's a miracle. It's an amazing miracle and kind of a gross miracle, right? Like, like, like sometimes we like Jesus' miracles, like, go and be healed. Like, hey, that's nice. But when Jesus is spitting and making mud out of his spit and putting it on his eyes, we're like, oh, that's not cool. Like, I prefer to be the guy who's like, your, your faith has made you well. How about that healing, right? right? Like, we're not going to get into the why Jesus spit and made mud because it's really not, not the important part of the story. The important part 
is Jesus walking by and his disciples see this, this poor guy who's, who's blind from birth. Right? And, and, and today, right, we have all sorts of, of, of resources to help people who are, who are vis- visually impaired. Right? We have a, a variety of things. We have, we have all sorts of support systems, support nets, something to help make the world navigable for people whose eyesight's gone. But this man never was able to see, never, never saw a sunrise, never saw a sunset, never saw the face of his parents, never saw the way we see, never saw anything. And his disciples, there was a stigma that if you were born blind, uh, that, that there must be some sin, either this person was going to commit and God foreordained that he would be blind, or that his parents were so wicked that this man was born blind as a punishment to his parents. That was a common, common thought at the time. And so the disciples go to Jesus and say, hey, who was it? Was it this guy's future sins that caused him to be blind from birth? Or was it his parents' sins uh, that caused this man to be born blind from birth? And Jesus' response is important. He says, look, it wasn't the sin of the parents, the sin of this man. Right? None of that was why. But, you know, we're here now, and this gives us an opportunity to show the glory of God. Right? This is an opportunity for God to receive some glory that has never been received before. And so he goes uh, and, and he makes the man well. But before he makes the man well, verse 4 jumps out and he says, uh, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for night is coming when no one can work. Jesus says, look, it's day now, so we work now to do the works that God has provided for us to do, right? And that is the point of this entire passage, that it is day now, and since it's day and there's work to be done, that man was a work to be done. There's an opportunity in that man, in his body, to make a, make a miracle that would give God glory and bring a, a newfound uh, like, uh, ability to this man that he's never experienced and he said, there's work to be done now in the day. We'll do it now. Because there's going to come a day when we can't work anymore. Night is going to come and we can't work in the night. But today is day and we work today. And I want you to know that today it's day and you have work to do today. Church, this isn't just Jesus' work. Jesus wasn't saying, I have work to do because it's daytime. Jesus says, we will do the works of God. We, disciples of Jesus, will do the works of God while it is day. While it is day, while there's an opportunity to do the works of God, we will do the works of God. And what are the works of of God except to alleviate the suffering of those who are hurting and to bring the lost into a relationship with Jesus Christ right right through through salvation right this is the works of God and your responsibility is to do those works today you have unique opportunities presented to you every day Every day you have an opportunity to do the works of God. And it may not be this miraculous healing where you spit and make mud and rub it on people's eyes. In fact, I would say that most people don't want you doing that to them. Okay? Most people don't want your spit on mud to go and to rub on their bodies. That, that, is, that will be frowned upon culturally, will not be acceptable in this context that we live in today. But there are hurting, suffering struggling people that you walk by, drive by, interact with on a regular basis, and there is works to do today. 
And if there's work to do today, then we, we get to do that work. Jesus walked by this man. His disciples said, what's up with this guy here? And Jesus said, this is an opportunity to show how God works in the world today. We're going to change this person's life today. You have opportunities to change people's lives today. Today you have that opportunity. And it can be a, a, a huge opportunity. Like it, was, it was one of opportunities maybe you've experienced before, right? Where God just lays things out for you and you just stumble into leading someone into a, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like it's not that you're so eloquent and, and awesome. It's that like God just prepared the soul in front of you and you're like, oh, and then all of a sudden you're done. And at the end of it, this person's like, yes, I want to trust Jesus Christ. And you're like, whoa, how did I do that? Like, how did that happen? And the answer is, you stumbled into a situation where God was working, and God used you, crooked stick you, to do something miraculous. But it can be something mundane as well to do the works of God. The works of God aren't always uh, immediate salvation for people. Right? Sometimes the work of God is just to alleviate the suffering of the person who's in front of you. The world that we live in right now is broken and hurting. There are no shortage of people within 500 feet of where I stand right now who are absolutely broken. The world has come, the thief has come, has stolen their joy, has stolen their will to live, has filled them with other things, drugs, alcohol, whatever, to satiate them, to give them some numbness to the pain of the world around them. And we stand as a witness to something better. You stand there, and it's day today. Guys, there's going to come a day when it is too late to do the works of God. That is an absolute, and by the way, that should scare us to some degree, that there will come a day when no more work can be done. But today, right now, this moment, work can be done. We can go and do the work that God has put before us because it is daytime. There will come a day when that won't be the case. Jesus will come again in the clouds. He will judge uh, the righteous from the unrighteous. It will be a, a moment of great uh, like joy and great sorrow. It will be a terrible, great day of the Lord. That day is coming. It is imminent. It could come now. Right? That day is, is, is on the horizon. But until that day, when there's no more opportunity to work, because God has already done all the works that need to get done that day. Today we work along with God. Guys, I want you to open your eyes to see the opportunities that God has before you today. This man was born blind. We don't know how old he was. We know he was of age. We'll find that out in just a minute. So that means he was at least, you know, like in his, his 20s probably, right? He was of age to talk for himself to the temple people because he's about to have to do that, right? But, but, but he had had 20 plus years of being in that condition. And it is so easy to ignore someone who's been suffering for 20 years. Right? And we do this in our families. That's, that's a, probably the only place that we do this regularly. We're like, and that person's a lost cause. Right? You've got a cousin or an uncle. We all got a crazy uncle out there somewhere, right? right? And you're like, and that person is a lost cause. Maybe it's on your spouse's side. That's my family. Right? It's always on my spouse's side. I kid. My wife's family is wonderful. Hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> It's like a hostage video right now. Y'all are great. <laughs> Today is March the 21st, 2021. <laughs> right, but we all have crazy people in our families. And after we've dealt with crazy people in our families for a while, and they're just rebellious, wicked, choosing sin, and maybe they're strung out, right? We, we, those people, they're in our families, right? People have just 
either the bottle or the pills or the needle has got them, right? And, and, and we've lost them. And, and somewhere inside of ourselves, it makes it easier for us to just say, there, there's nothing I can do. Right? They're done. It's done. I can't. Right? And we just discard them. Right? Because inside of ourselves, it hurts too much to push into that relationship. I know this, guys. It hurts too much to push into that broken relationship. But I'm going I'm to tell you, I'm going to challenge you, if, if, if it's day to day, and it is, we have an opportunity to do the works of God. And that person who you've discounted for the last 10 years because they've made consistent bad choices for the last 20 years, today might be the day that God will, will bring them back to him. Something miraculous can happen. And miraculous things do happen. Don't, if you don't believe me, Right, like we did something last year when the pandemic started, maybe right, right before the pandemic really, really fired up. We were doing video testimonies of our church members, right? And if you want to do one, I would still love to have your video testimony of what God has done, what He brought you from, and brought you through. But if you go back to the church YouTube page and you watch those, you'll see people who sit in this room right now who God did miraculous things to, right? Brought them out of dark, deep holes that you would have thrown them away. You would have tossed them aside. You would have said there's no hope for that person. But God saw differently in them. And God worked about bringing their restoration so they can serve him today. What a beautiful God we serve that he sees broken people and doesn't see something that can be discarded. He sees hope there today. Guys, your family members that you've discarded, there's hope for them today. I, I've had a rough week. I, I've been dealing with some stuff in my uh, kind of family, family, you know, go a couple steps away from the people that are real close to me in my family. And man, I just hurt. But there's an opportunity there. There's an opportunity to push into those brokenness, right, to bring about at least the voice of God where people are hurting. While it is day, it's time to do God's work. Right now, it's time to do God's work. Continuing on, Verse 8, the neighbors who, who, uh, and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, it's he. And other people said, no, it, it's someone who's like him. Um, but the man kept saying, look, I am that man who used to be begging. So they, uh, they said to him, then when were, how were your eyes open? And yes, he said, look, there was a man called Jesus and he made mud. He anointed my eyes and he sent me to Salome and he said to go and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And the man said, I don't know. So they brought him to the Pharisees, this, this blind, formerly blind man. Uh, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus had made the mud and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees asked him again about how he received his sight. Uh, and, he, and he said, look, you put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, look, this man is not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others said, look, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division even among the Pharisees about Jesus, right? So they said again to the blind man, uh, what do you say about this man since he has opened your eyes? And the man said, look, he is a prophet. He must be a prophet. The Jews, verse 18 says, didn't believe uh, that he had been blind uh, and then received his sight because that had never happened. Or pause real quick here. Not once had a man been born blind and, and gotten his sight back in the history of biblical narrative. Not once. The only person who brings people who are born blind their sight back is Jesus Christ. It never happened. Doctors couldn't do it in their day and age. It never, ever happened. It was a miracle that could not be duplicated. Think about like the in, in the um, 
And the Old Testament with Exodus, and Moses is doing miracles, and then the, the you know, Magi and sorcerers by Pharaoh are kind of meeting miracle for miracle with Moses. And eventually Moses does something, they're like, yeah, we can't do that. Right? This is the, yeah, we can't do that miracle. It's never been done. Only Jesus gives sight to the one who was born blind. And, and then they said, they asked, they brought this guy's parents in. Because they want to make sure that this is the real guy who was born blind. Because it had never happened before. And they, and they said in verse 19, is this your son who was born blind? How does he now see? And his parents said, look, we know that this is our son. And we know that he was born blind, but, we, but how he now sees, we don't know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he can talk for himself. For his parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews, um, because the Jews had already agreed that if anyone would confess that Jesus is the Christ, he was to be thrown out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, look, he's of age, ask him. So they brought the man back in, and they asked him again, and they said, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. And the man said in verse 25, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He said, look, I've already told you all this. Are you really wanting to become his disciples as well? Verse 28, and they reviled at him saying, look, you're his disciple. What an insult that is. But we're disciples of Moses. We know that God's spoken to Moses, but for us, for this man, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, what an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. Verse 31, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. And if this man were not from God, he couldn't do anything. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin and, and you would teach us, and then they cast him out as his parents were scared of a moment before. Here's the deal. When you do the works that God has before you, this guy was an experience, the, the works of God, there will be critics all along the way. The Pharisees at that time were absolutely hypercritical of anything that happened that Jesus did. Every miracle he did, they wanted to examine, right? The man who was like the, the lame man who was by the pool at Bethsaida, Right, they did the exact same thing. Jesus healed him, take up your mat and walk. The man walks out and they're like, what happened? Who did this? What's going on? Right, immediately criticism, trying to figure out what's the story. How did this guy do this? Because when God works, people criticize. Lost people criticize when God is at work in the world around us. We see this. Right? You, you've probably seen it in your life. If you've made, ever made a change in your life, if you've ever had a massive change in your life from what you are to what you are now, there were people along the way criticizing you for, for the change that took place in your life. Yeah, you're just faking it. Yeah, it's just what you're doing right now. Yeah, da, da, da. Right? There's always critics. People are critical of God working in the world today because it doesn't fit nicely in the world that we understand. Right? A world where, where, where God can't break in and miraculously change people is a world that is much more comfortable to people. Because we understand it. It makes sense. This person did this, then they went to rehab, then they got clean, now they're okay. That makes sense. That story is a sensible story. Why? Uh, I don't really understand. Rehab is rough, by the way. The rehab retention rate's not great. Right? But it makes sense to us. We're like, hey, they work the system, they're, they're in the program, they're doing the steps. It makes sense. Right? This person had this experience, 
and then they did this, and it just adds up. That, that story makes sense. But if something doesn't make sense, immediately we criticize. That can't be, that can't be, that can't be. That's not right. That's not the way it happened. And there are critics inside the church and outside the church who are examining the works that God is doing. I want you to know that critics seek to deny the work of Christ as he works in others. When Christ works in other people's lives, there will be critics who seek to deny what God has done. And I want you to know, if you've experienced a, a repentance and a re regeneration and a new life in Jesus Christ, and there were critics who stood on top of you and said, you could never, you would never, you won't amount to, you can't keep this up, right? And they bury you. I want you to know that those critics have no power over what God has already done in your life. They exist. They're there. There are voices that are loud. These people matter. These Pharisees matter. They were important people in that day and age. But they can't stop the work of God. They can't prevent the work of God from continuing. They just criticize from the outside. And the sad thing is those people aren't all out there. Some of those people are in places like this. Right? And the church should be a place where the work of God is celebrated. Right? Where it's honored. Where we're like, whoa, what an amazing miracle that is. We should be okay with looking at something like, that is just God miraculously doing God things. Praise the Lord. But sometimes we just we get skeptical. Right? And some of that is because we've been burned. Right? Turn on the TV. I, I can get on TV preachers pretty quick. You know me. Uh, turn on the TV, watch some guy knocking people over with their suit jacket. And you're like, that doesn't look legitimate. <laughs> Right, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It doesn't, doesn't really look legitimate. Right? And so we were supposed to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, but guys, at the same time, we can't be critical when God is working in the lives of people around us. Even if it's something that we're not altogether comfortable with at all times. Right? There's times when God does something, and I'm like, eh, it's not the way I would have done it. But you know, as I read the Bible, there's a lot of times when God does something, and I'm like, yeah, it's not the way I would have done it. Praise God, that's not the way I would have done it. Because I would have broken this story. This story wouldn't make sense if Matt was in charge of it. Right? Because I'm, so, I'm too pragmatic. Be like, yeah, let's cut out the whole, like, this Jesus, this part of Jesus. Let's just skip to Re Revelation Jesus, because he can take care of some business. We'll skip this Jesus, go to Revelation Jesus, because he can take care of some business. He can come back, sword in the mouth, just start wailing people, laying them out. Right? Like, that, that makes sense to me. Done. Right? Go back to the garden, maybe kill the snake, right? Like, hey, it makes sense to me. Like, I have my own easy solutions to Bible problems. The truth is, though, God does things in a way that's different than, than makes sense to you. Because God is working a different system than you understand. You get to be a part of it, though. You get to be a part of what God is doing in the world today, to doing the works of God when it's time to do those works. And there will be critics outside as you do it. But if you seek, if your life changes and you seek to follow God into new avenues, there will be critics out there. That's not wise. That's not, that's not smart. That's not intelligent. I know people, I've heard stories of people, and I know people who have totally reoriented their lives, right? Successful business type people sell their business, sell their house, go, box up, move overseas to share the gospel, right? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Couldn't you just keep making money? Send more money to the Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon Easter offering. Send more missionaries. Makes sense, right? right? We need somebody on the back end making money to support these people who are on the front side doing that. But God had called them to do that, and so they went. Didn't make sense. Why would you give up you know, this career that's making this, this you know, great financial gain for you? Couldn't you use that money for some good? Couldn't you do this? Couldn't you do that? 
But God doesn't always ask to do things that make sense, and there will always be critics out there criticizing what God is trying to accomplish in our lives. And we'll finish up here in verse 35 and following. It says, Jesus heard uh, that they had cast this man out from the temple, and then he found him, and he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind, formerly blind man answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you now. And he said, Lord, I believe. And the man worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard these things. And they said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to him, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Jesus, Jesus finishes up, brings the man in, and explains to him what just happened to him. This man didn't know. Right? He knew there was a, uh, some healer who healed him. He didn't really understand what that meant. And so Jesus goes by him and says, Hey, I hear you got tossed out of the temple. I want to teach you a little bit about who I am. You believe in the Son of Man. Who is he? It's me. And immediately the man says, I believe, falls down and worships him. At that moment, that man becomes a disciple of Jesus Christ. Right? Instead of being a guy who was impacted by Jesus Christ, he becomes a follower, worshiper of Jesus Christ. His life is reoriented towards Jesus Christ, away from himself or away from um, following the Pharisees who have just, just, just you know, discarded them from his club. Right? He's going to now follow after Jesus Christ. Right? Because ultimately, all of God's works, the reason we do any works for God is to lead people to salvation. But that's why we serve. Like, we have a ministry in the summer, Feed Rockdale. Right? We're gonna, it's in the budget. You'll see it when we do this business meeting in a few minutes. Right? Feed Rockdale, it costs money. Right? First year we did it, we didn't have any money budgeted. That was a dangerous game, by the way. Right? Um, <laughs> right? But, but what we do is we provide lunches for kids. We, we provide like four meals a week, Monday through Thursday, um, for like you know, between 200 and 300 kids, depending on where we are in the summer. Every day, 1,200 meals-ish. Um, that, 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 we, that we, every week, 1,200 meals that we whip out. That's a lot for a church of 100 on a decent Sunday, right? That's a lot, a lot of ministry. Why do we do that? Is because there's hungry people in Rockdale, Texas? Yes. There are kids who do not eat in Rockdale, Texas. If you go and you, some of y'all work in the schools, y'all have seen it, right? You, you've witnessed these kids that, that that lunch that they get at free lunch and that breakfast they get at free breakfast is their meals. And they come back to school on Monday and they're hungry because the weekend was long. Spring break is a bad time for these kids. They don't have food, right? Their mom and dads are prioritizing their money in other ways, we'll say, instead of providing food for their kids. And why do we do that? Do we do it to meet those kids' needs? Yes, we see someone in need, and we saw it. We saw the need in Rockdale, and we said that is a need. We can meet that need. So we meet that need. We go and we meet that need. With our, with our hands and with our money and with a bunch of sacks, we meet that need across Rockdale, Texas all summer long. The reason that we do that, though, is ultimately not just to fill them with food, but to introduce them to the person of Jesus Christ. So that one day they can be asked the question, do you believe in the Son of Man? And they say, who is he that we might believe in him? And we say his name is Jesus. And they know our heart for them. And they learn that our heart for them is from Jesus Christ. And then they see Jesus' heart for them through how we've lived for them. We live for other people so that those people might come to know Jesus Christ. It's what we do. It's why it's an important ministry for the, the, this church. It is a way for us to be the literal hands and feet 
going out into this community, into parts of this community that we drive around. <laughs> that we drive around sometimes to avoid things. I, I didn't know some of these areas in Rockdale until this, is, this will be year four, I think, until till about four years ago when I went canvassing and I knocked on, my, my, we as a church knocked on every door on this side of town, on the east side of town. I'll tell you what, there's Marius in town that are rough. But we go there so that people can be filled, but also so ultimately they can come to know Jesus Christ. We do the works of God to lead others to salvation. That's why we serve. And we can't lose sight of that. It's easy to lose sight of it. We have to draw our eyes back to it. That's why we serve. That's what we do. Service ministries, it's one of the great things. Christians are great at service ministry, but sometimes we lose our focus. And we get so focused on serving and so, so not focused on ministry. And so Jesus never lost sight of that. Right? Jesus heals this man. This man, he goes back and he finds him. He's like, now let's talk about what's going on here. I want to introduce you to the Son of Man. He's like, who is he? He's like, it's me. And at that moment, that man saw the compassion that Jesus had for him, the God of the universe had for him. He confessed himself to be the Son of Man, and the man says, awesome, I'll worship you. We prepare the hearts of people by serving them. If we serve people, people's hearts will be prepared to hear the gospel. We need to be a church of servants. You, personally, need to be a Christian of service. You see the need. You, you dis disregard the critics out there who say, you know, like, like they tell you, right, if you give money to that homeless person, we're just going to spend it on, on booze, right? Fun fact, he might. He might. But I'm confident there was a guy who came in, there was a lady who came in, asked Janet for three bucks or something, for flowers to put on uh, her brother's grave or something. The uh, story is, is, is my, my version of it. Janet can give better facts. Um, but about that, <laughs> and then so Janet gives this person, you know, three, four bucks. Uh, and, and I feel very confident knowing this person, very confident that those, those flowers were never put on that grave. I feel that Gil made $4 and this person made 40 ounces. That's what I think happened, okay? I feel very confident that that's what happened, right? And you can be like, whoa, Janet, you got suckered. Oh, poor Janet. Tiss, tiss. But the truth is, we see people in need and we serve them. And we can criticize others who serve. But the truth is, we serve so that people can come to know Jesus Christ. All right, we should love other people. And that should compel us to go and do this sort of service. Look, critics will rage. There will be critics out there raging against you as you go and do these works of God. But God's work continues. Yet while critics rage, God's work continues. You get to be a part of God's work even while people criticize. Like the critics are out there. They're real. Don't let them dictate whether or not you choose to do what God has called you to do. Because you have a call to ministry. And I can't fill your call to ministry. I can't do what God has called you to do. You are the only person in all of eternity called to the people that God has put in your life. Will you serve those people? Critics are out there. Ignore them. Serve God and point people to the one who saves. Because Jesus saves. If you're here today and you don't know that Jesus saves, I want you to know... Beyond a shadow of doubt, there is no hope anywhere else. And the reason that this church exists is to serve people. But not just to serve people, to point people to a God who came to serve them. And 
loves them enough to die on the cross so that your sins can be forgiven and you could have eternal life with a God who loves you. God loves you. Believe in him today. Let me pray.